We're at the crossroads of America, highways, water, trains. This is not only the breadbasket, but the manufacturing heart of the country. This is the Ag Bioscience Podcast with Agrinovis Indiana. Welcome and thanks for joining us. I'm Gary Dick, the host of Inside Indiana Business. This episode is brought to you by the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean Alliance, as well as Banjo Liquid Handling Products, proud supporters of the 2021 Producer Led Innovation Challenge. You can learn more at agronovisindiana.com slash challenge. Well, this week, I'm pleased to welcome Mont Hanley and A.J. Moran to the podcast. They are the co-founders of Plantennis. Thank you for joining us from Northwest Indiana. Thanks for having us, Gary. Very interested in both of your backgrounds, and you're both I you're both at Purdue, uh, Purdue Northwest, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, A.J., I'll start with you. Give me uh, just a little bit of your background, your path uh, to where you are today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. I'm wearing a few different hats uh, on a daily basis. I'm in the finance industry in Chicago. I also am on faculty in the College of Business at Purdue Northwest. And I'm also uh, a farmer myself. I own a farm outside of Chesterton, Indiana. So uh, when Mont brought me this idea last year when he had patented the Plantena, uh, I jumped on board right away, uh, bringing um, a, a business lens. He had just finished his NSF I-Corps interviews and had interviewed a number of potential uh, buyers. And I, I, as I'm reading through the interviews, I'm going, oh, my goodness, there's a there's an opportunity here. Mont, how about you? I know you're a native uh, uh, Northwest Indiana guy, right? Sure. I um, come from a family that uh, always ran small businesses and uh, – so I always had the idea that I'd have a small business in the back of my mind. And at the age of 12, I was working for my grandfather's ice cream stand um, and was saving my money. And I ended up buying a greenhouse, uh, which my parents never let me build because, uh, you know, uh, they didn't want me to destroy their home, putting <laughs> a greenhouse uh, next to it. So um, I've always had that interest. And uh, the first um, job out of college, I, I worked in a, a Frank's Nursery and Crafts, uh, managing their live goods. And um, I came up with an idea for a peat moss substitute. And that led to the, my first startup, which is called Pit Moss. Um, we ended up on Shark Tank and uh, got some funding from Mark Cuban, who's mo- done multiple investments in the company. And it's actually uh, seven years old coming up this February. So uh, we've, we've doubled our revenues every year. And, um, and so that actually led to the idea for Plantena. It, well, it, interesting. It's, it's, it's pit, pit moss. Yes. Give, give me the quick, university. Uh, you piqued my interest there. Give me a, a quick uh, uh, thumbnail of that. that sure. Thing. Well, you know, Three percent of the Earth's land surface are covered by peat bogs, and um, you know, about 50, 60 years ago, the Cornell University horticulturist uh, came up with this brand of, of of growing media, and they used peat moss for the first time in growing uh, plants and horticulture, and um, that really led to exploitation of peat bogs around the world. We've pretty much decimated all of our peat bogs in the lower 48. We still have some in Minnesota and Florida, but about 95% of all of our peat moss for gardening, and we consume about 10 million dollars, 10 million tons per year globally. 
uh, comes from Canada, you know, Northern European, Scandinavian countries and, and Russia. And that 3% of the Earth's land surface that makes up peat bogs sequesters a third of all soil carbons. And just us using uh, peat moss in our gardening and our horticulture is contributing, the UN says this, about 8% to uh, increased carbon emissions. Wow. Now, you said that's, uh, that was kind of a, an impetus for uh, Plantennis. Uh, tell me about the company. I'll start with you, Mont, on that. And, uh, you know, what is the company all about? What is a Plantenna and what does it do? Sure. Well, as I was out selling my pit moss product to greenhouses and nurseries in western Pennsylvania and eastern Ohio after our startup, I discovered a, a trend, and uh, you may have seen this too, um, you know, these are multi-million dollar horticulture industry uh, companies. And um, I kept seeing the same thing. I kept seeing an older couple in their 50s or 60s. And they were, you know, telling me, like, we're not sure how much longer we can do this. Um, I'd ask, well, do your kids want to take this over? No, our kids have no interest in this at all. It's too hard to work. Um, the revenues are diminishing. You know, the big box stores are sort of like driving price down, things like that. And I just thought, Okay, with automation, robotics, um, and a unit-level sensor, we could solve this issue. And so that's where the idea of Plantenna came from. I thought every plant needed to be its own, you know, it had to possess its own unit-level sensor. And so I did some research, looked at, saw what the industry was doing. There's big industry, industry uh, uh, enterprise-wide uh, cyber physical systems and horticulture right now, but nobody was doing it on a small and medium enterprise level. And I thought, well, you have to start with the propagation pot. When a plant gets cut and rooted or it, it's um, grown from a seed, that's where you have to start the process. And then the, the sensor has to survive throughout the life of the plant, whether it's, you know, six months for a, for a annual or for 20 years for a landscape plant or shrub. And so that's when I, I thought, okay, let's look at what's out there in the research. Let's look at what's out there in prior art. And um, I filed a patent in like 2017, I, I believe, and we just received it last fall. So uh, in 20, November of 2020 is when we were issued the patent. Yeah. AG, what's the financial uh, model look like, the financial case for uh, Plantennis? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking. So when you think about horticulture operations, labor and loss are the largest drivers of expenses in the horticultural industry. And we're talking over 50% and even greater in some horticultural cases. And so thinking about predictive labor, thinking about chain of custody and blockchain applications, when we think about the ability to automate other systems, I like to think about it like the Amazon Fulfillment Center model, when we're able to think about tracking, packing, uh, chain of custody, inventory control. That's what Plantanas is meant to do for the small and medium-sized enterprise. And so when we're able to automate operations, we're able to decrease expenses in the horticulture industry. We know that there's challenges as it relates to labor. We know that there's challenges as it relates to chain of custody. These are things that we can already do in other businesses. And so the application is really transferable. Innovations like yours certainly come with a unique set of challenges. Um, what do those look like uh, 
as plant tennis has, has gotten off the ground and and continues to grow. A- AJ, what's uh, it's fascinating technology, fascinating idea. What are, have some of the challenges been in, in growing the business? Yeah, when we think about challenges, it's just like any other business. You have your early adopters who understand the model, who are there, who are lined up when the store opens, and then it's the the all all the challenge of any other entity is how do you move past early adopters to general acceptance of it? Yeah. Uh, Mont, what, how about you? As you look at challenges, uh, any entrepreneur faces uh, certainly in, in the getting an innovation to market and growing it. What, what have you seen as those challenges? I, I think I saw this in my first startup too. It's, it's the fear of, of, of the new, the innovative. And um, but I think in this case, I think the the idea that we can reduce you know, current labor statistics for horticulture is in the forty percent range, and uh, I mean an average farm is about nine to twelve percent. So showing the you know the the enterprise that they can reduce their expenses, and, and it's not so hard to think about it right now. We're not reducing jobs because they can't find labor at this point. So. You know, I, I, they, are they finding it difficult to find labor at this point? So I think the challenges are going to be much less. But I will say it's it's the overcoming the the idea that they have to learn something new. I, I equate this. It's parallel to me because I'm of an age where when I was in school, everyone said, get into computers. It's the future. It's the future. I'm screaming that now to kids that are in this lab. I, I'm right next to a robotics lab in my office. And uh, I'm telling these kids, like, robotics are the future in five, 10 years. Gary, we just paid three, less than $3,000 for an articulating arm for research. That's, wow. it's, it's, the price is coming down. Competition is really driving the price down. Wow. Well, yeah, and I'll start with you on this, Mont, uh, because, uh, and you kind of answered my question, but, you know, this is cutting-edge technology, innovation. How do you see automation, automated solutions continuing to innovate and to grow over the next decade how substantial do you see uh, do you see that uh, that future so I think the cutting edge technology is going to be the learnable um, teachable robotics that, that are just around the corner I believe right now we're still ro- uh, like uh, uh, programming the robots on a keypad and even though I, I think we could probably teach somebody to do it in 10 or 15 minutes it's still kind of considered to be like programming your own computer, you know, you know, you think about like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they, they met while they were in a computer programming club. And then they came up with the idea of like, Hey, let's preload software. And that's what led to an explosion of the desktop computing industry. We really need to like have robots that are simple where you can put it in a switch that says train and you grab it by its, uh, by its wrist, if you will, and you show it exactly what to do, and then you can put it in in run mode, and it will do that until you turn it off. So if you have an entire crop to get in or out of your or your greenhouse, that robot will work through the night essentially to fill that up. And I, I think at that point, everyone will see the absolute positive benefits of using robotics. Yeah, Ag, what 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 do you see, especially as you look at uh, robotics uh, and uh, their ability to, um, you know, sustain businesses, existing businesses, create new businesses, uh, uh, help the bottom line? 
How do you see robotics uh, over the next five to 10 plus years? Yep. So when we think big in the agriculture, in the horticulture space, we know just based on other businesses that people want to know where their things came from. And that's going to be no different in the hort and in the ag space. People want to know from seed to shelf chain of custody of what they're purchasing, consuming, using. Um, we know that that's where this is headed, just like we've seen in other businesses, right? It just so happens that, you know, horticulture and ag in the small and medium space haven't gotten there yet. But we know that when you buy a bottle of wine in 10 to 15 years, you're going to want to have a code on your bottle that you can snap on your phone and it will tell you the chain of custody of the grapes in which you just purchased, right? So when we think big picture, we think about blockchain applications, we think about chain of custody, seed to shelf is the language that we use, where people want the transparency to know where their items are coming from. And, and like I said, this is not new, right? This is recombinant. This is happening in other businesses. We're just thinking about it in a, in a nursery and a greenhouse space. AJ, I'll start with you on this one, and obviously I want to get Mont your take on this. But as, as you look and you paint a picture that would seem to indicate, uh, you know, a pretty uh, uh, positive outlook for the company. Where do you see things going? What's the potential for Plant Tennis? Uh, do you think going forward? Yes. Yeah, so the individual unit sensor seed to shelf is going to be something that exists in the next 15, 20 years. We want to be the first there and we want to be the best there. We have the patent, we have the propagation materials, we have the um, manufacturing. I know we're going to talk about that uh, in, in a moment, but the manufacturing process that we're working on right now, um, that's where this space is headed as well. And the hard thing for small and medium enterprises is, is exactly what Mont said a few moments ago is how do you release the control of the labor? How do you release the control of the expenses and shift your business model so it doesn't end up dying in the second and third generation? This is something that can happen you know, across the country in these small and medium-sized businesses and actually will have a positive impact on their bottom line. Mon, how about you? What's the, uh, the outlook for the future? So uh, I... We just received a grant from the Economic Development Administration from the federal government to help uh, the um, produce industry survive pandemics. I don't know if you've got to be familiar with the fact that many produce farmers had to just plow their crops under this past uh, harvest season because they couldn't find guest workers to come in and pick or any workers to come in and pick their asparagus, for instance, or their tomato crop. I, I really and. And one of the research uh, documents that we used to write our grant, uh, which AJ and I put together along with three faculty members here at, at the College of Technology at Purdue Northwest, we, we used a document from, the, from, from Congress, the U.S. Congress, that basically talked about the demise of the, the U.S. produce industry. In the 70s, we were a net exporter of our produce to the world. And this past year, we were actually listed as a a net importer where a lot of our imports were coming from as far away as South Africa and Chile and Australia. And I have absolutely no issue with competition from around the world, but we're not really giving our own uh, industry an opportunity uh, because we're competing against really cheap labor in those other 
countries. And so robotics will give this country a really fair shot at reinvigorating this produce industry that I believe is very strategically important to us. We've just had a very uh, last 18 months of witnessing um, problems with our supply chain for important medical supplies. Uh, you know, a third of our diet is is fruits and vegetables. So I think this is a very, very important area that we need to improve. And I, I do believe that this will create a more robust produce industry, a more robust horticulture industry long term. Yep. Um, AJ, you mentioned the manufacturing process uh, you're working on. Uh, talk about that. Yeah. So here's where we're at currently. Here's where Plant Tennis is working the manufacturing process is 95% known in this space. What we're working on finalizing right now is the sensor implantation into the molded fiber pots. Um, we have industry experts who have actually built these machines before and are on our advisory board who are working with us um, to make sure that this machine does exactly what it needs to do so we can produce units. Um, we have MOUs for our raw materials. We've got the facility ready to go. That's where we're at right now. Final word I'll give to you, Mon. Well, I did this once before, and it took me a long time to raise funds. And uh, it was an exciting time. I'm so glad that uh, AJ and I met. We, we were actually forced together by our chancellor to run a pitch competition up here. We call the PNW Big Sell. We give away money every year to exciting new ventures. But I'm glad that we actually were pushed together like that because watching her raise money right now and in, in VC opportunities and angel opportunities, it's kind of like watching a general command troops. It's really exciting. So I'm very excited about that. Very good. Well, this is exciting technology and an exciting company growing literally in Northwest Indiana. Mott Handley and AJ Moran, co-founders of Plantennis. Thank you both for joining us. We look forward to following your story. Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you for tuning in to Season 4 of the Ag Bioscience Podcast. You can find more episodes on the latest in innovation, entrepreneurship, and talent in Indiana's ag bioscience space. Just visit the news page at agronovusindiana.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gary Dick. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.